Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. This year, I want to talk about world missions, and I want to talk about why our church is so passionate about taking the gospel to people all around the world. It's because of an expression that is called a paradigm shift. Um, and if, if, if you don't know that expression, it's, it's a moment in your life where your life will never be the same. Your thinking, your, your culture, your heart, your, everything changes in a moment. And that's a paradigm shift. So for example, when I got married, um, it, it was a paradigm shift. Everything in my life was about me and about being single and about my thoughts and my whatever. But the moment that this beautiful woman said yes, and then, of course, we got married. That was a paradigm shift. My life for 26 years has not been the same, thank God. And then um, the moment you have children, like you go from being a person who does not have children to somebody that you are entrusted and responsible to raise this human life um, for at least 18 years. And that's a paradigm shift. You'll, you'll never be the same again. I, uh, you know, we, we had been missionaries. We had been youth pastors. We had been associate pastors. But 11 years ago, we became lead pastors of this church. And that's a paradigm shift. You, you're never the same when, when you have a big responsibility like that. I mean, there's been super high highs and super low lows. But you, I, I, I always bear the weight. At, at, at 2 in the morning, while jet lagged in Romania at a hotel, and I can't sleep, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about this church. I'm thinking about your, your faith and your discipleship and, and your heart and your passion for Jesus. So th these are paradigm shifts in your life that you'll never be the same again. This whole thing with world missions for me started when I was 13. I was in the eighth grade at Redland Middle School in Durwood, Maryland, and I had been suspended so many times that I was expelled and I was told I was no longer allowed in the Montgomery County public school system. That's a, I, some of you were shocked. You're like, I, I, can't, I can't picture that. You're such a good guy. So um, I don't know why you're laughing so hard. So thank God I had, had parents that had the means to put me in a Christian school. See, I was raised in church. My parents were new believers as, as they got remarried and, and were, were figuring out Jesus and figuring out a blended family and, um, and, and put me in a Christian school. But I had not yet gotten super serious about my walk with God. I was just kind of a rebellious, dumb kid. And um, I was in a chapel service that later that same year, and a guy came through who had just graduated from Oral Roberts University, and he was talking about taking teenagers on short-term summer mission trips. And it was only the second year they were ever doing this. So in the summer of 1988, I went to Costa Rica for eight weeks. Now, you have to picture, this is 1988. There's no internet, there's no cell phones, there's no email, there's no, there's no way to communicate with the outside world. I was 13 years old. First of all, I don't know what my parents were thinking. I, I, I must have been that bad of a kid that they were like, eight weeks without Brad, that sounds amazing. Well, <laughs> We'll help your car wash and your bake sale and raise your money to go. Um, I wrote one letter to my parents and never mailed it. But the point is, I saw people in another nation and another culture that desperately needed Jesus. I saw extreme poverty like I had never seen in, in my life. And um, I, I wasn't yet super sold out on Jesus, 
But it was a paradigm shift. Being in Costa Rica as a 13-year-old kid for two months, my entire summer, it wrecked me. I was never the same again. And then two years later, I went to Peru, um, also with with, uh, the same missions organization, and I spent another eight weeks down there. And um, at the end of that trip, and many of you have heard the story, I felt the Lord speak to my heart for the first time in my life. See, I, I, I was in church. I was a church kid, but I didn't like love Jesus or anything. Like, I wasn't like a Jesus freak. I just liked to go to church and to, to go on mission trips and stuff like that. But I wasn't like super into to, to Jesus. But at the end, for the first time in my life, I felt God speak to my heart. And there was a blind man who was watching our little drama. And the Lord said, if you go pray for the blind guy, I'll heal him. And I'm like, bet. Because I want to know if God's real. So I get a translator and I go pray for the guy. And right before my eyes, this guy's blind eyes were healed in the name of Jesus. That's a paradigm shift in my life. I have never been the same. I went to a secular community college and would talk to people about the Lord. And, and, and they would be like, well, God's not real. And I'm like, uh, I beg to differ. God is absolutely real. Like nobody can ever talk me out of the fact that God is not real. The Bible is not true. Heaven isn't real. Hell isn't real. The devil isn't real. It's on like Donkey Kong because I saw blind eyes open when I was 15 years old. That's a paradigm shift. And it was woven into my whole life. The reason I'm in ministry is because I saw those blind eyes open. I can't not be in ministry because of what God did in my life. The same thing was happening with Josie. Now she was raised in a super G.I. Joe Jesus family. Like they would take some vacation on a mission trip to Russia. They would take summer vacation, and that was Soviet Union, uh, and distribute Bibles. They would hide them in their, in their luggage. That was their family vacations. They always had a passion for the nations. When she graduated high school, she went with youth with a mission, and she traveled all over the world. And like, it's just been woven into who we are. So there's a, the, the very last thing that Jesus told the disciples. He's like, listen, I'm going to go back to heaven, but I've got to give you one final word of instruction. You've got to keep this thing going. Now, we call it the Great Commission. Uh, I call it a command that every Christian needs to be obedient to. It's in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, Uncommon church, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. This is after the cross, after the empty tomb. So all authority on heaven and earth, Jesus has. And he said, therefore, go. And in the Greek, it's in the command form. It's not a request. He's saying, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I taught you. Surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The very last instructions of Jesus were go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus didn't say go and win people to Jesus. He didn't say go and invite people to church. He didn't say go and like every Christian meme that your grandma posts on Facebook. He said go and disciple nations. There's a great quote from Oswald Smith and he said, the church likes to talk about the second coming of Christ when half the world has never heard of the first. When I was a little kid, I was really into NASA. Why? Because my stepfather worked for NASA. He helped work on the Gemini space program and the space shuttle space program and the the telescope, the Hubble Space Telescope. I was also into kitchen cabinets because my my dad, dad, my natural dad, was a kitchen cabinet salesman, so I knew all about Formica samples. (laughs) Kids grow up with the heart of their father. We have a father in heaven that has a heart for the nations. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, 
but will have eternal life. God so loved the world. The Father still loves the world. And I want our church to have the same heart as our Father. See, we have to remember, it was not nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for the world. His love for lost people. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And we lose sight of that when we live in a little Tarrant County, Dallas County bubble. We lose sight of that when we sit on cushioned chairs in air-conditioned buildings. We were sitting, uh, we, we also, in addition to all the ministry with the Ukrainians, we ministered in two churches this last week. And we were up in one uh, smaller church in particular in, in, a, in a village. Uh, it was a gypsy church of Romanian gypsies way up in the mountains. And we're sitting on these hard wooden benches. And it was so cold that they had a um, wood-burning stove in the middle of the church that was providing heat for everything. And um, church is not an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> You've seen the SpongeBob thing. It was like, two hours later, <laughs> we're still going. So Paul leans over and he goes, how about wooden benches for the church remodel? Think our people would like that? <laughs> I said, that'll help Gateway grow. <laughs> Americans don't want to sit on wooden benches. We want to sit on our blessed assurance on a nice piece of foam. We want air conditioning and video walls and 1080, 4K, if we could afford it one day. Because that's what I want. <laughs> These precious people were sitting on wooden benches in the cold. And yet we cry out to God and we love to experience his worship. And I don't know if you could tell, the worship team took a hard right turn. Like when the screen people can't find the words, it's because Jeff and Christy and them, they're just making it up and going a different direction because they feel it in their heart. And then heaven comes and walks into the room and it's like Jesus is touching us. We're like, we love to experience the power and presence and love of God. We love, we just want to soak in his presence so much. Don't you think that lost people would like to soak in that same presence? Like, why do we hog it all for ourselves? In fact, I think in a lot of ways, we hinder God from pouring out more of his spirit because we're not willing to share what we've been given to the lost. Picture a river. River flows down, you know, maybe snow-capped mountains and little rivers coming down and it goes left and right and all that. But then all of a sudden, it stopped and the river begins to back up. There's no outflow because of the dam. And then the water becomes this lake. And if it doesn't have anywhere to flow out, it becomes stagnant and dies and is gross. The church is meant to be the river of God, that God pours out his love and his power and his blessing. And then we don't hog it all for ourselves. We share it with other people so God can continue to pour out his power and love and his blessing. We should share with others at home and around the world so that the power and presence of God would be multiplied and that we would begin to know and experience God in a deeper and greater way. I think so many churches never experience the deep things of God is because they're not willing to share what they've got. We live in a weird upside down kingdom that the, the more we give away, the more we have. You really love God? Tell somebody. Tell somebody at Kroger and tell somebody on the other side of the world. Like when I eat at an amazing restaurant, I don't keep it a secret. 
I want that restaurant to stay in business and continue to be amazing. So I tell everybody, hey, you've, you've got to try this. It's, it's amazing. You love Jesus that much? You've tasted and you've seen of his goodness? Tell somebody. Don't you love the way God touches your heart, touches your relationships, touches your body, touches your mind, touches your finances, touches everything, your kids, your grandkids, don't you think that other people around the world would want to experience that same love and power? We've got to give away what we've got because God's got plenty more. Yeah. We, we talked a couple of weeks ago, we don't want to think like an orphan or with a poverty mindset that we have to hoard everything and pile it up. It's the rich that give away because they know there's an endless supply of more. Orphans are the ones that hold on to what little they have because they don't want another orphan to get any of it. We have to share Jesus at home and around the world. Years ago, this dog is in heaven now. Um, we have the other, Josie's dog still. And um, it, my dog went to heaven. It was a big, beautiful family dog and got sick and, and died. But Josie's dog is a little Bichon Frise. That's, that's Josie's dog. <laughs> Josie's dog loves to cuddle me more than her, but that's never here nor there. When my dog got sick, <clears throat> we took her to the vet and it started with stomach problems and said, listen, this is just be you know, the beginning of the end uh, for this amazing spirit-filled family dog and I'm sorry, but uh, the, one of the things that would help would be a really high quality, like expensive, fancy food. That, that, that'll help, you know, maybe give her a few more months. So, um, so we started buying super fancy, expensive food. And then Josie's dog got a taste for the super fancy, expensive food. My dog went to heaven, and here we are years later still buying extremely overpriced dog food for Josie's dog. <laughs> Leonard Ravenhill had a quote, and he said, Today, American Christians spend more money on dog food than they do on world missions. I got to thinking about that and what I spend on overpriced dog food, and I thought, you know what? I spend more money to keep a little rat dog thing alive. <laughs> than I do on winning lost people for Christ around the world. See, we can give away what we have because God's got more. John 3.16 says that God loved the world. So when we don't share our faith with the world, we're telling the world that God doesn't love them. Oh, he loves me. He loves the American church. He just doesn't love you. Sorry you were born over in that country. We have to be willing to share what God's given us. Because if, if I give something to one of my kids, I mean, now my kids are grown, so the analogy doesn't work, except now I'm just waiting for grandkids, but um, I keep pressuring Josh and Becca to have grandkids, but since they're not here today, I can put that guilt trip back on. <laughs> when I give something to one kid and I want it to be shared, I will give it to the kid that I think is the most generous. And I'll say, listen, I'm giving this to you, but I want you to give to the other siblings and cousins and friends. This is for everybody. Church, the Father is asking us to share. The Father is giving, he's willing to give us eternal life. He's willing to give us Jesus if we will share with others. Only a baby is like super selfish and wants to hold on because they don't realize that there's, there's always gonna be more. They, they think it's mine and they'll take but if the Father's heart is for the nations, we need to share in the Father's heart and take on the heart of the Father. If, if, if our dad is into 
whatever, we need to be interested in whatever our dad is into. So if God loves the world, we need to love the world too. We need to take on the heart of the father. So mom and dad's parents, here's, here's my double dog dare to you. Ask the Lord for a nation and then tell, call a family meeting. And say, listen, kids, I know we haven't really talked much about this, but, you know, it was really inspired by Pastor Brad's message. He was, man, he was on fire, and what a great message. And, you know, I just love our pastor. He's amazing. And, all this. and um, we, mom and dad, we, we've been praying. We, we really feel strongly that we want to pray for God to move in the nation of whatever. So much so, um, kids, we want to pull out the laptop and we're going to go to Compassion International and we're going to adopt a child from this nation and provide for their, their needs and their food and for Jesus to be preached to them. We're going we're gonna to find a church that's a gospel preaching church that's winning lost people and we're going to send money every month. We're gonna, one day, I'd love for our family to take a, a family missions trip and go to the nation because we're going to adopt a nation and we're going to believe that that. We're gonna go into all the world and preach the good news. See, what I love about world missions is that it's an invitation from the Father to partner with him to adopt more kids into the family. We have an invitation from the Father to care for what he cares for. He put his light inside of us so we could take that light into the darkness where it's needed most. Keith Faulkner says, in life I have but one candle to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. See, we all bring our little lights together here to church on Sunday morning, and we, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine while the rest of the world is in darkness. I remind you of the command form of Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go! It wasn't a request. So sometimes Christians will go, well, Pastor Brad, I'm not really called to go. We're all called to go. I mean, unless you are specifically called to stay, you're called to go in Matthew 28. Have you even ever asked the Lord if you're supposed to go? If you don't pray the prayer, you're not gonna get an answer. So some people will go, listen, I'm not, I'm not really called to world missions. Try picking up your Bible and listening real hard and see what it says. These quotes from Leonard Ravenhill wreck me. Could a lifeguard sit idly by if he heard the drowning cry? Could a doctor sit in comfort and let his patients die? Could a fireman sit idle and let men burn and give no hand? Can you sit at ease at home while the world around you is damned? Imagine, I love the firefighter analogy. Imagine the firefighter analogy. You got a fire truck, big red shiny truck. Tanks are full of water. All these guys are equipped and they have water on the truck and they have the ability to tap into all the water in the world. And they pull up to the burning building and they hear the people screaming and crying and they just sit there and watch them burn. But that is what the church has done to the nations for 2,000 years. I can't believe Jesus hasn't come back yet. The disciples took the gospel to the, the known world at the time, 2,000 years ago. And then it's like the gospel message came to a screeching halt. 
So God's like, man, I gotta help these guys out. I'm gonna help them create large ships, seagoing ships that can sail around the world so Christians can take the, the gospel to the nations. So we used it to commit armed robbery on nations and indigenous people. I'm gonna have to do better, all right. I'll, um, how about trains, cars, airplanes, jets, television, radio, the internet. Surely people could use all of these tools to get the gospel to the nations. They could leave from DFW and be at any place on the earth in a day. Surely everybody at Uncommon Church is going to have a passport and be looking for opportunities to share the gospel around the world. Some of you are like, hey, what happened to funny Brad that we like? Get off of my toes. No. You can go to almost any church in America and the pastor will not step on your toes and ask you to care about the nations. At this church, we're gonna care about lost people around the world. I don't know if it's my preaching or if it's just really hot in here. Um, we have an obligation. We have an obligation to share the gospel around the world. It is, we, we owe the world an encounter with God. Now, some people are like, dude, I'm not gonna be a full-time missionary overseas. I get it. Not everybody can go. Physical conditions, life conditions, uh, parole conditions. You know, we've got felons that have gotten out of jail. It's a true story. It was a mission trip a couple years ago, and one of our brothers was like, hey, man, I'd love to go with you, but as you know, I'm a felon, so is there anything I can do at home? I love the heart. I love the heart. So granted, we're not all gonna be able to go around the world, but we can all go to Kroger. We can all go to the dog park. We can all go to our workplace. We can fulfill the Great Commission somewhere. But for those that physically are able to go, how are you gonna fulfill the Great Commission if you don't even have a passport? Like if you don't have a passport, you're telling God, not me, Lord. I preached this message 10 years ago and the church was a lot smaller. I handed everybody a passport application at the end of service. John Pryor got a passport that week. He's been around the world with me. You can go around the world, you can go across the street. There's only three kinds of Christians when it comes to world missions. Those that are zealous goers, zealous givers, and the disobedient. All of you after church today are gonna get invite cards for our Easter service. The good news is you live in Texas. And everybody goes to church on Christmas and Easter. They're CEO Christians, and they will go to Christmas this Easter. Like, there are people that are like Buddhists and Muslims, Hindus. They'll go to a church for Easter. Why? Because they live in Texas and somebody invited them. So you're going to get invite cards. I want you to take those invite cards and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to the people in DFW that need to come hear the gospel this Easter. Some people are like, listen, I, I, I can't go to the nations. That's okay. You live in DFW. He brought the nations to you. Have you been to your local grocery store? There's going to be 20 different countries represented in any neighborhood around here. Like, if we were unwilling to go, God's like, well, I guess I'll bring the nations to, to Texas. Our response, here's our response. Going, giving, praying. And if you can't do one, you do the other two extremely well. Let's be totally honest. 
Joyce Smith celebrated her 89th birthday two, two weeks ago. 89, right? I think, yeah. I, I love Miss Joyce. I'm not taking her to Romania. The, the flight is grueling. The transportation, the roads are awful. So then I expect her to give and pray. You expect an 89-year-old woman to give? Yeah. We all need to have a part in world missions. And it's not always about visiting exotic places. It's about dying to ourselves, taking up our cross, and sharing the gospel wherever we go. We want to go into battle and help people get set free all around the world. Some people are like, well, I just... I'm so invested in our community and in Six Stones, and you're the one who told us to volunteer to help the community. Yes, but the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest right here at home. So it's not one or the other, it's both. Jesus asked us to be fishers of men. I would love it if one day I could put up a sign and said, hey, we've all gone fishing. There's just nobody here to have church. The way I picture heaven is that there's like a, a balcony and Jesus steps down on the balcony and he kind of is kind of watching the church and some angels and some of the other saints would come up and be like, hey, how's it going with the, the church spreading the gospel around the world? Jesus doesn't say anything. Angel over here is like, hey, it doesn't seem to be going so well. You sure the plan was that the church were gonna be the ones that take the gospel all around the world? That, that's plan A? Jesus goes, that's plan A. This angel over here is like, uh, you got a plan B? Jesus says, there is no plan B. The church is the hope of the nations. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, go, proclaim the message that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those that have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. Go is in the command form. All of us are to go. What are you gonna proclaim? The kingdom of God is at hand. How are we gonna proclaim it? By healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, and casting out demons. Why? Because we received a free gift of salvation. So it's in our hands to share with other people. Some of you that are old, <clears throat> do you remember the WWJD bracelets of the 90s? Every situation you'd face, you'd be like, I don't know if I should get drunk or not or sleep with somebody I'm not married to or rob this convenience store. What would Jesus do? <laughs> so for a whole generation, we're like, I want to be just like Jesus. Oh, you do. You want to be just like Jesus? Then I want you to leave the comforts of your home, move to a developing nation that has no electricity and no running water, and then give your life for 33 years to preach the gospel wherever you go. Because that's what Jesus did for us. Yeah. You still want to be like Jesus? While you're here, learn how to raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse leprosy. Why? Because you've been given a gift, so you should freely share it. Hop up on your feet. We, we owe it to the world. We owe it to the world. We owe it to the world to leave the comforts of home, to, to share the gospel wherever we go. I don't do it because I'm comfortable. The trip to Romania took 28 hours to get to Europe. The older I get, the harder it is to make those long trips. But I'm not going 
for my comfort, I'm going because I simply can't stay. So you gotta ask yourself, there's literally billions of people around the world that are dying and going to hell. What would make the devil happier, going or staying? Because I don't wanna do anything that makes the devil happy. And a church that doesn't go, pray, and give makes the devil happy. I told you my stepfather worked for NASA and was a rocket scientist. Mom was an amazing stay-at-home mom, raised my sister and I well. But these were suburban people. My stepdad was like such a rocket scientist engineer. He wasn't like great with people, especially back then. Now he's a big softy. But like these were the last people in the world that when I was in college and on a Sunday morning, in the bulletin, you guys remember bulletins? In the bulletin, it said, the English Language Institute for China is looking for people to move to China to be missionaries and preach the gospel while teaching English in a university. One of the most shocking phone calls I ever got in my life when I was at school was my parents in their 50s. My, my stepdad took early retirement and they moved to China. I was like, what? I mean, I was just dumbfounded. But can I tell you that right now, there are children being raised in the underground church in China because 25 years ago, two middle-aged people went to be full-time missionaries in China. This kind of thinking is uncommon. It's not normal. It's not normal to care for people that live in other countries that you'll never meet, but it is on the heart of the Father 24-7. Finally, last verse, I really want Jesus to return. I want to see Jesus return to this earth, but in Matthew 24, Jesus was talking about the end times, and he said, here's how the end times are going to work. The gospel of the kingdom of God is going to be preached to the whole world. It'll be a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. The Joshua Project is a group that brings statistics on how well we as a church are doing at bringing the gospel to the nations. And the Joshua Project has identified 17,440 distinct people groups, people that have their own culture, many have their own dialect, their own languages, and praise God, 3,284 people groups are significantly reached. 19% of the world is significantly reached with the gospel. There's another approximately 6,000 people groups that have had some form of gospel touch. But you're doing the math in your head and you're like, yeah, that leaves 7,414 people groups. 42% of the world's population have never heard the beautiful name of Jesus. Would you be willing to go give and pray. And if you can't do one, you need to do the other two really well. I've known Joe for 10 years. You're like, why is that old man going up there? You got to understand Joe was a raging alcoholic that was abusive to his wife and kids for 50 years. He only gave his heart to Jesus like 20 something years ago. I've known Joe for 11 years now, 10 years. Joe's physical health, I'm not taking him on an airplane to Romania for 28 hours. 
but I've never seen anybody give generously and pray passionately as this man right here. We, we all have a part to play. Yes, sir. You can see your eyes have been healed. Well, I think we should thank Jesus that your eyes have been healed. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Joe. I'm so proud of you. You can do it. You can do it. If you're here this morning and you're like Joe, you've been living your life, but you're not yet a believer in Jesus. But something in your heart has been moved and you're like, I've got to get right with Jesus. I've got to repent of my sin, ask him to forgive me. Today's my day to get right with God. No more playing games. I'm going all in. Would you shoot your hand up and just wave it at me? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Good good. What about you that are watching online? If your heart's pounding out of your chest and you're like, I got to get right with Jesus, join the three others that raised their hand right there in your living room and just raise your hand and say, I want to get right with God today. If you agree in your heart, I want you to pray this out loud, especially you three that raised your hand. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. I will take up my cross and die daily so that you can live big on the inside of me. Lord, use me to see the kingdom of God spread around the world. Lord, I will go, I will give, I will pray. And if you meant that, say amen. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.